Welcome. I'm Father Mitch Paqua, and welcome to EWTN Live, where we bring you guests from around the world. Tonight, we want to talk about equipping lay Catholic professionals to be virtuous leaders that support the mission of the church, who influence the culture by serving the common good. Now, before we get to that conversation, a really important one these days, we want to explain a little bit about what's going to be coming up with some of EWTN's special Christmas programming. So we'll, let's talk to Peter Gagnon about what is going to do to help carry us through the rest of Advent and into the Christmas season. Peter, what have you got for us? Well, we do try to focus on Advent, you know, in the season of that until the um, the 17th when the O Antipons start. Then we start mm -hmm. bringing in some of our Christmas programming, and that'll go through um, all of week leading up to Christmas and afterwards as well um, through yes. Epiphany. So, um, one of the specials I want to talk about with our Christmas is something you did recently. Yes. We took EWTN Live on the road, yes. and you did two Christmas specials at a prison in Beaumont, Texas, yes. and um, a very powerful program. They're going to be the two EWTN Live Christmas specials. One airs next week, the second part the following week. Yes. And um, it's just a beautiful event, and I think our, our viewers will really be moved. Part of it was, I know you said mass there, a couple of talks, some interviews, and even some beautiful music. And I think we have a clip of a little we bit do. of music. Let's, Let's take a look that. at that. just really going to be a very beautiful program and uh, very moving. You can see the prisoners there singing along and stuff, and I'm sure you were you're impacted by it as well, and our crew said they were very, very moved by it. Oh, it was I just love the inmates, you know. They, yeah. They've done some wrong yeah. things, pretty wrong. This is a maximum security prison, but, you know, they're also finding God's mercy. A uh, number of my buddies from Texas go into those prisons every week, and some of them are there almost every day, mm -hmm. you know, just doing this work. So this this is partly the fruit of what they've done. Which is, so we look forward to those two programs. And then um, also we want to start looking at, um, obviously we'll do liturgical events from Rome. Uh, we'll have the Christmas Eve Mass that we have with our Holy Father mm -hmm. every year. And then we'll also carry the uh, Urbi at Orbi blessing, which, um, which he imparts to the world. And we will continue to bring liturgies from uh, the Holy Land mm -hmm. in Bethlehem. We'll also be bringing... I assume the patriarch will be the celebrant? Yes, yes, as he, I think he believes he is every year. And we, we try to bring you that because people obviously can't all go to the Holy Land, so there's an opportunity to bring it to them. Also, events and liturgies from the Shrine in Washington, D.C. And, and Masses from here, of course, with the friars. Plus, there'll also be... Um, uh, beautiful, like we have a, an event from the shrine in, in uh, Knock, Ireland, uh, a beautiful musical event, uh, Candles by 
uh, Carols by Candlelight, which is really, really pretty. And, um, and we have a ton of programming for kids, other specials and stuff. So people should just go to our website, go to EWTN.com forward slash Christmas. There's information on Christmas and on the season, but there's also a tab there you can click on that says Christmas programming. It can give, bring you the lineup for, for what, everything we're going to be carrying throughout this uh, Christmas season. So EWTN.com forward slash Christmas. All right. Sounds good. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with tonight's guest, so please stay with us. Thank you and welcome back. I know it's true that as a priest, I can wear my clerical collar and I get special access to certain places and certain situations. I mean, I've been in sacristies all over the world. <laughs> and it's especially when I go to hospitals, the prison, when we went there, I've been there, some of those prisons a number of times. But there are still a lot of secular institutions and places in society that priests and bishops, probably even the Pope, can't really influence the way lay people can influence it. With doctors and politicians who no longer defend the dignity of all human beings. And sometimes they don't even defend life itself, not only for the unborn, but for others. And then sometimes we have teachers and pastors and even parents who violate the innocence of the children under their care. Sometimes we have scientists who continuously defy the designs of God. I just saw an article yesterday that one scientist claims to have designed a way to have a baby born in a machine. And the, the whole time the, the baby will grow from embryo to baby in, in a machine, like Aldous Huxley. So, given these and many other situations, isn't it time for lay Catholic professionals to stand up, to be unafraid and unapologetic in leading the way for our culture rather than letting some of these other people do it? Our guest tonight asked the question, what if there were more lay Catholics who were committed in their professional world to speak up the truth about the gospel and human dignity. About ethics and business, there are plenty of that lack of ethics going on. So here to discuss what it would look like to do that and how we can try to get there, I'd like you to welcome the Chief Executive Officer of Tepeyac Leadership Incorporated. 
He's also the author of a book called Catholic Leadership for Civil Society, a practical guide on authentic lay leadership. Please welcome Mr. Christopher Pereira. Thank you so much, Father. It's an honor. Christopher, how are you doing? I am thrilled to be here, Father. Good, good. Now, you're not from Alabama originally. I am not. I, I am from the south, but <laughs> yeah, that, way down south. Farther south. Where are you from originally? Peru. Lima, Peru. Peru. Oh, it's a wonderful city, too. I know. You've been yeah, there. Yeah, I've been there. Worked over there back in 1975. Yes. <laughs> a while yes. ago. And you, but you don't live there anymore. No, no, no. Um, I lived in the United States since I was 15 initially in Texas for a few years, mm -hmm. but since 2000, I called Phoenix, Arizona home. Okay, okay. So what is it that you're doing then with this Tepeyac uh, leadership group? Yeah, absolutely, Father. So it's a, it's a story that I think we're gonna get into. About six, seven years ago, I was working for Bishop Olmsted at the Diocese of Phoenix. Yes. And while working for the bishop, as a representative of the diocese, I was sent to a secular civic leadership development program in, in the city, in our, in our town. Um, so it was a, a eye -opening, an eye-opening experience for me, Father, because- In what way? It opened, eyes my, opened up my eyes to the reality of civic leadership development in the United States. I didn't know anything about this. Mm -hmm. But Father, since the 70s, this concept has been around in all the major cities in the United States and even some rural areas. These uh, programs take on names like Leadership Los Angeles, Leadership Philadelphia, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, just to give you an idea, there's such a thing as the National Association of Leadership Programs. These are okay. all secular, all secular. And while each of them takes on a different format and flavor, really they're all doing the same thing. They're inviting professionals to go through their formation. And then they're pushing them into key leadership positions in their own communities. This is where many of our public elected officials get their start, their start on leadership, in leadership, but not just politics. People in the for-profit and non-profit world also get started in leadership through these programs. So when I discovered this six years ago, through a series of conversations with Bishop Olmsted, we developed this idea, we, we discovered that while well, this was a novel concept, who could be against the idea of forming leaders? Right. However, most of these programs, Father, were forming and are currently, most of them, not all, most of them, are forming uh, leaders with values that run directly opposed to Catholic teaching. Mm -hmm. So we thought we could do it better. Yeah, this, this is, <laughs> I think that's a, a very important point. It's not leadership with whatever values you want. It's not neutral leadership. You develop these skills and then apply your own principles. Nope, they, they have very specific goals that they want to get pushed forward. Absolutely, Father. Yeah. And, and we also discovered that all of these programs really were missing the most crucial component of leadership, which is the ethical, the principle, the, the virtues aspect of leadership, yeah. the faith component, because they're all secular. So with Bishop's blessing, we developed Tepeyac Leadership Initiative, initially as a diocesan program at the Diocese of Phoenix, with the same goal, with the same objective, to form Catholics for leadership, 
but not in the traditional sense when we think about lay Catholic leaders, not for ministry. Yeah, see, most of the time, you know, like that, that clip that we showed from the prison, a number of my Texas buddies are the ones going into prison, working with them, teaching catechism, giving retreats, doing a great job bringing in hundreds to become Catholic. But that's still inside the church. You yes. do something different. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful thing, what's happening with prison ministry and so many other ministries. We need that, Father. But unfortunately, what we've also discovered, and, and we've come to the realization that for the long time, lay Catholics have had the wrong idea about what is the most effective way to serve the church or mm -hmm. what is their proper role in the church. Because oftentimes, and, and you, you probably understand this well, Father, when a lay Catholic has an experience of encounter or re-encounter with Christ, they're so fired up for the faith, they want to find their place in the church and mm -hmm. they want to serve God, serve the church. And what do they do? What do we often do? I have been there myself. Maybe I walked, away, walked out of a Cursillo weekend and I'm so on fire for the faith. We go back to the parish and we sign up for every ministry that we can. Yeah. And sometimes we set up a tent and camp at the parish, Father. <laughs> and we tell our program participants, we absolutely must be involved with our parish community. We must be supportive to our pastors. But our true field of mission for the laity is the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a very important element. And just, uh, I want to show a clip about your leadership, but what is Tepeyac? Tepeyac, of course, the, and these days we, we should have all been reminded of it, is the hill where Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared to San Juan Diego. Okay, so just so everybody knows, Tepeyac is not a neighborhood in Phoenix. It's not. It's <laughs> this hill where the Blessed Mother appeared. That's the name of the hill in Guadalupe is the area around all right, let's take a look at this clip on the leadership initiative and the importance of leadership. Leadership is not an option. Leadership is something we're all called to do in whatever way we can. It's not a position and it's not a title, but it's what you do. And people gravitate to that and are inspired by that. I love virtuous leadership's definition of leadership. A leader accomplishes great things by bringing out the greatness in others. Not only is it critical for us to inspire the best of others in our church, but also in our communities, in our places of work, in our family. For me, leadership is leading by example. It's being a servant leader. It's not centered on the leader. It's centered on those the leader serves. So a Catholic leader is, first of all, a servant, and that's definitely in line with the model and the example that our Lord Jesus Christ gave us. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And wherever we're placed, if we can help others fulfill whatever their role is in life, that's a really important part of, of leadership. We're there to call and spread the gospel and to do that in a way where we lead by example. You have to do your work well. The substance of what we are sanctifying has to be good. Very much like Augustine says, grace builds on nature. The nature of our work, the substance of itself has to be excellent. So we have to perform our work well. We can't be shoddy workmen. I always say our Lord was not a lousy carpenter. We can take that farther by understanding that our work is our means to sanctification. 
we can advance the kingdom of God in everything that we do, and we can make an offering of everything that we do to God, no matter how simple, no matter how mundane, no matter if we've done it a thousand times before. That is how we encounter the divine in our work lives, and we sanctify ourselves through our work. This, I think, is a very important uh, part of life that we have in the news right now stories of what seems to be a breakdown of a certain amount of ethics about Bitcoin investment. And sometimes we have breakdowns of ethics in, you know, government. You know, not everything is done, you know, Honestly, people try to steal from the government and all kinds of things. And plus giving leadership that is, you know, very fresh and moving forward. Uh, that's a, you can see what that affects lives. You know, if there wasn't uh, enough ethics in the Bitcoin industry, other people lost tens of millions of dollars. So this is a big issue. So what can we do? In every area of life, Father, you just mentioned one, but we could go through a list. The things that pass as curriculum in some public education systems, the attacks on the dignity of the human person that are taking care in the medical and scientific field, yeah. widespread corruption in government. I mean, the list goes on and on. And Father, we are convinced, and when I say we, I mean my organization, the leadership of my organization, the small army of volunteers that are behind our efforts, we're convinced that if things have gotten to where, where we are now, it's because for the longest time, Catholics have retrieved into their own Catholic bubbles, and we have not engaged the world. It used to be, Father, that people, lay Catholics, will be leaders in their own community just because they were Catholics. In other words, their own fate would compel them to lead in mm -hmm. their community. But we're no longer doing that. Yeah. I, I knew of a number of Jesuits and other priests who were very instrumental in training union leaders back in the 1930s and 40s because the, the country was at a fairly high risk of becoming more communist. The Communist Party was very active. And it was priests training the union leaders how to detect the false promises of the, the communists and how to direct towards ethical treatment of workers and employers. You know, that employees and employers both had a right and they thought in those terms and trained leaders to, to act that way. And it made a big difference in that area. But this is an ongoing problem as we see with school boards. Absolutely. That, that would be a very important area uh, where school boards uh, need to have, you know, good input by serious leaders that care about education. Absolutely, Father. Um, through the work that we're doing, through our leadership program, other initiatives, what we're trying to do is start a movement, Father, a, a wake-up call to lay Catholics, particularly those who God has blessed with a professional education, with a college education, with a professional career. Mm -hmm. If God has given them those tools, 
then God has equipped, equipped them to lead in society, right? Mm -hmm. So there are so many different areas where we can, we can make an impact as lay Catholic leaders. However, the one that we have identified as a, an area that, that is prime for lay Catholic leadership because of, of how broad it is, is board service. Not just board mean, service on board, school boards. Boring teachers? <laughs> Not, Not just that school board. boards. Absolutely school boards, Father. Yeah. But we really have broadened the definition and we tell our program participants that they should consider uh, leadership in boards of directors, advisory boards, non-profit boards, boards of trustees, boards of trustees. But not only that, civic organizations like your Rotary Clubs, Lion Clubs, parent-teacher organizations, homeowners associations, it doesn't matter, Father. Ultimately, what we need is more lay Catholic voices at every table where decisions are made, those decisions that impact the culture. We have a, another clip showing something about the importance of serving on boards of trustees and boards of education and other boards. Let's take a look at that. A particular area in secular society where lay Catholics can make a big difference, can make a really tangible impact, is through board service. I am personally blessed to have been put on boards where I can give voice to those values that we've lost, faith and family. I think we need to engage in, in a way that's closely related to where we're living in the beginning and our duties that are there. I often have told uh, uh, lay people to get on the school board. You would be surprised how effective one person's voice can be on a small school board. You do something heroic on behalf of the faith and on behalf of families and children in a little school board in Idaho, and next thing you know, it's, it's caught fire and more people saying, oh, we can do that? Oh, I'm gonna follow that lead. I'm gonna do that as well as my school board. I can't believe that that had that much impact. But we must never think that we need to have some sort of special qualification. The special qualification is to want the truth, and that is badly needed everywhere. That's how we change society, by being in leadership positions and sway those major decisions in the direction that reinforce good family values so that we really serve our society and make it a better place. You know, we've seen, in the, especially after the COVID pandemic, as parents were watching classes at home with their kids because they're doing classes online, they became newly aware that in some school districts, not all, but in some school districts, a lot of odd things and wrong things mm -hmm. were being taught. And they, they got onto boards. Sometimes when they went down to, to defend their values, uh, they... Uh, labeled as terrorists and domestic terrorists, which is crazy. But if we become the folks that join those boards, we may not be considered terrorists anymore. It may be that these are voices of reason that are welcome to be brought in. Absolutely, Father. If we just had more of a seat at the table. And the sad reality is that there already are Catholics at every 
table where decisions are made, Father. But unfortunately, we don't have enough well-formed, committed, and faithful Catholics mm -hmm. at the everyday table where decisions are made. And mm -hmm. if we only could move the little, little bit, if, if only lay Catholics would consider a more strategic way to advance the, the mission of the church by seeking to become influential leaders in society, giving God all the glory for the common good. And I, from what I understand what you're doing, that does not mean that you tell boards of trustees, well, you better listen to the Pope. Absolutely. That, not. That's not what it's about. It's much more about, look, uh, Catholicism is 2,000 years old. We have a very long developed tradition of ethics and morality. And you don't have to say, well, the Pope says you got to do this or we won't like you. No, it's not like that at all. It's helping to think about the primacy of human dignity, basic issues that should be accepted by anybody of goodwill in society. But you have to be trained in how to think that way. Absolutely, 100%, Father. And the beauty is that reason and science has always been on our side, right? Yes. We have the natural law, we have reason, we have science. And Catholics, I think we need to get better uh, formed on how to defend truth, not only using Catholic or religious arguments, because those, those religious arguments mean something to you and I. Mm -hmm. They don't mean anything to an atheist, right? right? So we, we can't yeah. go and defend yeah. truth with religious arguments to an audience that doesn't care about the faith right. or doesn't share our values. We need to learn how to use the arguments of reason and science and the natural law, which are always on our side. Yeah. And it, it, it's something that, uh, again, as you mentioned at the outset, we have to be alert to the fact that there are folks being trained in leadership to give values contrary to ours. Anti-values. And, you know, these, uh, and I, I've seen fairly recently where some of those anti-Christian values are being foisted upon some of the churches who are not alert to the way this is happening. And this is, uh, you know, if we don't bring our values into the secular culture, they will try to bring their values into the church and have us acting like them instead of us having them act the way that Christ wants us to act. Absolutely. It's already happening, Father. It is. And Father Mitch, this is really not an optional prerogative for us, lady. As a matter of fact, as we continue, as we started developing the work that we're doing through Tepeyac leadership, we realized that we were really not reinventing the wheel. We realized that unlike our initial thought that we were taking a secular template, turning it into a Catholic program, we were just simply answering the neglected call from the Second Vatican Council, Father. Yes. And I know you're very familiar with the Council and most people who are, unfortunately, we tend to focus on only two aspects of the Second Vatican Council. And those are the changes in the liturgy and the ecumenical aspects that came about from the Council. But by far, I believe, most people miss the mark 
on the bold, urgent challenge that the second, the consul fathers had for the lady. And exactly, that, that's the very strong point in Gaudium et Spes. Absolutely. Which means joy and hope. And you know that that document talks about the laity having a role in the world. This is where you lay people are evangelizing. I can't. I can't get into the, the board meetings, but you can. Yes, Father, and, and there, not just that document, Apostolicum Actositatem, pretty much throughout the, yes. the Consul, there were so many uh, instances where the lady was addressed directly, and we were given our marching orders. For us, for the lady, our role is, for the majority of the lady, our role is not to be up in the altar. For the majority of the lady, our role is to be ambassadors of Christ out in the world, mm -hmm. transforming society from within by inserting ourselves into the fabric of society, not retrieving into Catholic bubbles. You know, sometimes we spend a lot of time getting into petty arguments about how many um, extraordinary ministers of communion should be distributing communion, should the priest just sit back? And we're, we're looking about that role. And meanwhile, where lives are being decided in hospital boards and hospital, that they're just going around willing to do all kinds of things. Uh, we, we see in Canada, they're pushing very hard for, uh, for more euthanasia, as a, and they're saying it. It's a way to save tens of hundreds of millions of dollars in health care by having people commit suicide. Where are the Catholics on those hospital boards and government roles? Where are the Catholics, Father? That, that is the question. The most, faithful Catholics. Most of us, most Catholics today are so concerned about everything that has taken place over the past decades in our country, around the world. So many things start here, then they spread around the world. And all of the wrong biomedical bio decisions being taken, all of the horrendous curriculum being passed through public school districts. Where were the Catholics when those decisions were made? What we're trying to do is trying to change the chip in the minds of lay Catholics so that we can begin thinking about more strategic ways about how to help advance the mission of the church. Forming ourselves, because it's not enough to have the will. Forming ourselves, and we have identified three that we call fundamentals of Catholic leadership for civil society, and then sending them off to, to lead in their own communities. Okay, can you give me real quickly the three points? A good grasp on the church's teaching on the Catholic, Catholic social doctrine, Okay. the dignity of the human person, yep. and a lifelong long commitment to grow in virtue as to become a virtuous leader. Okay. These, and that's the key to what you train people in doing. We have to take a little break. Yes. I needed you to get it real quickly. But we, we're dealing with the Tepeyac Leadership Initiative, and you can find out a lot more about it if you go to tliprogram.org. TLIprogram.org and find out how you can learn to be a, a, a much more significant leader uh, in your community to get virtue and positive values into our society. We'll take a break. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. And so please stay with us.
Welcome back. We are speaking with Christopher Pereira, who is the CEO, the Chief Executive Officer of the Tepeyac Leadership Initiative. Uh, again, you can find out more about it by going to tliprogram.org, tliprogram.org. Now, one of the things that certainly comes up is that a number of Catholics, and non-Catholics for that matter, say, well, I'm, I'm no leader. Uh, how, how can I do this? You know, I, I just sort of follow Jesus, and that's the way it is. And So I'm not a leader. What, what do you say? Thank you for the question, Father, because this is a recurring question mm -hmm. for us. And, and there is, is, is not the majority of the people that we come across but there's, a, there's definitely a segment of the, at least of the lay Catholic population that struggle to see themselves as leaders. Mm -hmm. And this is natural because from those who were formed in the faith, we were taught from an early age that we must be humble, that we, we must, mustn't seek to stand out, we must really try to strive to be for humility, right? Maybe Jesus' favorite virtue. So this is true, however, it's not contrary to the fact that because we're followers of Christ, we must lead others to Christ. And that makes us leaders. Mm -hmm. We're all called to be apostles. And they are, what is that if it's not being a leader, a leader for Christ? So I think that the, the, the contradiction comes with the fact that in the general culture, the idea of a leader can be that of someone who wants to be the center of attention or, or maybe a, a, an egocentric yeah. idea of what a leader would be. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that right? I think that's exactly one of the problems. Yes. Um, I get to be a star. Exactly. Yeah, you know, no, <laughs> you're a leader. Exactly, whereas the leadership that we're talking about is the leadership that Jesus Christ modeled for us. Servant leadership. A leader is someone who rolls up his or her leaves to serve others. That is the leadership we're talking about. That's the leadership that we need. In fact, I, I would suggest that people who want to get in leadership in order to have people like them and more people to become their friends, that kind of value would lead to you being psychologically chewed up and spit out by people that know how to lead better than you. But if you go in there because, no, I want to do something to help serve in this issue, uh, in serve our community, and bring more ethics. Uh, we're tired of corruption in business practice. Uh, we want to have strong, clear, moral leadership affect the way we act. Good business practice, but ethically done. That's where you want to make your move. Absolutely, Father. And, and when you think about the lay Catholic 
models that we've had in the past, saints in heaven like Dorothy Day or, or everybody that led the Cristero war in Mexico, all right? These, these were lay Catholics who were servants. They were trying to serve the church and fellow their common uh, faithful. Uh, that's the leadership that we're talking about. And we have that leadership in our midst today as well, Father, in every area of secular life. We just don't have enough, and we need to begin investing in that type of leadership. One of the areas where I see people taking sometimes small steps that lead to more steps of leadership is in military service and in first responder service. Now, we've also seen that oftentimes various forces in our society have turned against, especially the police. And so people are not entering into that. And what happens? You see the leadership vacuum when it comes to, uh, say, the police. And the criminals take over. Uh, so this is where good leadership doesn't say, you know, stop the police, defund the police, get rid of the police. It's rather, if, there's an, if there are ethical problems, let's go in there to address the ethical problems that exist, but make sure that we don't stop dealing with the ethical problems of crime that affect for the, tragically, a lot of poor people are more victims of crime and a lot of people of color. They end up being more typically the victims of crime. Statistics are just showing that yes. regular, across the country. And so you leave them in the lurch and we need to step in and bring that good ethics into all that. 100%, Father, and the thing is that we tend to run away from the battle, and that's what's happening. That's what's yeah. happening in all of these areas of secular life where our values virtually have no influence. Mm -hmm. We have run away from the battle, and Bishop Olmsted, I think he, he, I don't know if he said this in one of the clips you played, which, by the way, these clips that you played are part of a 13-minute uh, short documentary film that we produce called The Hour of the Laity, and your, findings, your audience can find it on YouTube, The Hour of the Laity. But Bishop Olmsted said that, our founder, that precisely because we were born in such times as these, this is what the Lord has asked us to do. So when we measure the work that we do as leaders in civil society for God's greater glory, not our own, when we measure it, it should never be in terms of objectives met, but in terms of faithfulness. Yeah. The Lord has asked us to be faithful to what He has put in front of us, and yeah. He will bring the results. Let's take a look at Bishop Olmsted on that. Unless we're ready to engage in battle, our lives aren't gonna have much meaning because that's the world in which the Lord has asked us to live. When we engage in something that's really, really dangerous, but we only do it for one reason, because we know that the Lord is asking us to do that. He can work through that in amazing ways. Lay Catholics can no longer afford to be lukewarm Catholics. We're either all in or we're not living our faith fully. By virtue of our baptism, we should be compelled to take the values of the gospel into the world by seeking to become leaders.
We're not called to just sit back and be passive and observe this great salvation story just unfolding in front of us like we're watching a Netflix series. We're players in that Netflix series. So what role do we have to play? None of it happens without actually taking action. We have this duty to reclaim Christendom, to bring it back, to make this world, this society, a place where Christendom exists and thrives. We are in the age of the laity. We're in the time of the laity. And the laity are crucial for the church. It falls on us. It falls on us in the pews on Sundays to step up and, and pick up our crosses. It falls onto us to live out the gospel message. It is part of your vocation as lay people. It is not an optional prerogative. You must lead. I, I, one of the things that I heard recently that I thought made a lot of sense, we live in a society that wants to see a lot of diversity in the way people appear, but they don't want to hear diversity of thought and opinion. They want to just see diversity in a superficial way, mm -hmm. quite frankly. Mm -hmm but they don't want to hear voices that disagree with theirs. And we, as Catholics, have a voice to speak up for Christ. Maybe different than the secular world, but we have to speak up for him. Let's get a caller in. Marianne, are you over in New Jersey? Hello, Father. I'm here. Yeah, great. And what can we do for you this evening? Well, I would love to say to Christopher, De Colotis, Christopher, you're living your fourth day in a very powerful way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also, our found, the founder of Casillo, Eduardo Bean, who has gone home to the Lord now, always challenges all of us to go and minister to the far off. I think for too many years, maybe 50 years after Vatican II, we have huddled, and this is what Christopher was explaining. Yes, it's good to do things only within the church, but we have to minister to the far off. And this is a fantastic program. I'm so excited to hear about it. Thank you, thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much, Mary. I appreciate your enthusiasm. Please pray for us. We, yeah. we do, we have graduated five generations of our program. We started in 2018. So we're not brand new, but when you consider the age of the church, we are in our infancy. And yes. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of interest for the work that we're doing. So there's a lot of work to be done, Father. So prayers are always welcome. One of the things that uh, I just was on a conversation with a businessman, and he says, I, I don't even want to watch the news. I just don't I haven't seen it for a long time because all I do is get mad. And your approach is watch the news, don't get mad, get involved. Would that be a fair way to I like summarize? That, Father. I'm going to use that with your permission. <laughs> that is exactly what we're saying. Don't get mad, get involved. And actually in, in the book there's a chapter that refers to one of the unfortunate um, 
most recent series of scandals within the church, sex abuse scandals, that addresses this fact that oftentimes um, Catholics get frustrated with the state of affairs in or outside of the church because we have problems in and outside of the church. And the chapter is, is titled, Don't Leave the Church, Lead. Don't leave, lead. Don't get mad. Get involved. Absolutely, Father. Uh, that is our calling. That is what we're supposed to be doing. A lot of times, I think the secular culture that's trying to undo Christianity, folks need to understand, Karl Marx and Engels wanted to destroy the family because Engels taught that once you had a father, mother, and children, the, the nuclear family, that led to capitalism. They see the breakdown of family as the way to have communism come about. That's, that's Marx and Engels' own teaching. Now, the thing that we need to keep in mind is that they act like Bugs Bunny and they want us to be Elmer Fudd. They'll do outrageous things. They want us to get mad like Elmer Fudd would. Ooh, that Wesley Webbin! <laughs> and then we blow up. We get mad, we blow up, and we don't do anything. And meanwhile, they walk away saying, what a maroon. You know, we have to have a better sense. We're not gonna be their Elmer Fudd, just blow up in anger and then be gone. We're gonna be more clever than they are. It's such a good point you're making, Father, because the truth is that this is what we talk about in our book and, and cover through our training, through our program. The battle begins inside of us. Yeah. We must first, first work on our interior life, form ourselves, frequent Christ in the sacraments, just really work in our interior life, have a, a, a plan for spiritual life and be consistent with it. Only then, when we're really committed to living the faith, with our flaws, sins, and mistakes, which will not go away. But when we're committed to, again, to be faithful to what God is asking us to do, when we are in that walk, in that path, forming ourselves, equipping ourselves, then we can go out and lead. But we, without that, we're really useless. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think uh, a good example of Catholic lay leadership comes from a number of the Supreme Court justices who never argued, you, you better follow what the Catholic Church says on abortion or else you're gonna go to hell. They never said that. But they were Catholics extremely well-trained in the law. They understood the law. They saw the weakness and falsehood of the decisions leading to Roe versus Wade. They saw that this was you know, not good law, and they argued on that point, but they still had a Catholic background, a Catholic view of human dignity, but they were really professional. This is where we have to be the same way, no? Absolutely, Father, and going back to my point, that reason and science is on our side, has always been, Yes. right? And this is what these Supreme Court justices that you are 
referring to understand well. I am convinced that had they not passed this horrific law that was just signed by the president, by our Catholic president, um, same-sex marriage would probably have been overturned as well, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't need to use religious arguments. Reason and science is on our side. Right. It just makes sense that it takes a man and a woman to conceive a child. It also takes the same man and woman to create a family and raise that child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, and when it, there, there's so many areas, uh, again, just we talked about that prison uh, Christmas special, but one of the things that we saw when we were at the prison, and I've seen this other times I've been in, in prisons, that the you know, 80 to 85 percent of the inmates, male or female, were born out of wedlock. It means, oh, those are naughty parents. They were no. We have to call people and be show leadership in helping to raise up families that are going to be for the sake of the children and the good of society, as well as how you know you love for each other. But it's got to be a bigger goal, goal than that. Leadership is needed for the battlefront is the family. Father, yes. there is no question about it. And yeah. in every area of, of, of human activity, secular life, the battlefront right now is the family. It has been for a few decades, mm -hmm. and that's where we need to engage. Yeah, this is, um, you know, the, the various ways in which we've re tried to redefine a family has led to greater poverty. Yeah, that's one of the other issues. The family is experiencing more poverty when it's broken up, especially for women and children. They especially feel the impact of greater poverty and lack of education. That's true. Material yeah, so poverty. How do we do leadership to, to change that? Material poverty, physical poverty, spiritual poverty, psychological poverty, just about every issue, societal issue that we can talk about today has its root at the breakdown of the family, Father. So how do we address it? We need more faithful, well-formed, and committed Catholics at universities, at, at, at high schools and, and elementary schools, at mm -hmm. businesses mm -hmm. who will not uh, cave in to, the, to wokeism and, and who will actually support pro-family values. Even at places like the universities, that to have leaders who support Freedom of speech, that's gone from the universities. And it disappears from other parts of society. You cannot say things. Leaders have to explain why freedom of speech is so important. Again, we want you to, if you get a chance, to find out more about this Tepeyac Leadership Initiative. Uh, it, you can go to TLI Program dot org and you've got an announcement that we just got the last few <laughs> about 30 seconds a minute or so thank you father yeah. I, yeah i couldn't waste this opportunity we were going to wait for the beginning of the year but having the honor of being here through the success we've had reaching uh lay catholics who want to grow in leadership we've decided for the next year to launch our first annual conference 
on the first uh, weekend of November 2023. It's going to be in Orange County, California. Okay. Details will be posted on our website next year, but it's the first annual conference, and we're going to title it, just like the documentary, The Hour of the Lady, a lay Catholic conference. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for being you, here Father. with us in uh, Sweet Home, Alabama, to tell us about all that. And hopefully this will be something that gets you involved too. Thank you. Well, we've come to an end. May the Lord bless you all and keep you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And remember, Christopher can come here and inform us about this great initiative only because this network is brought to you by you. So please remember to keep us in between your gas bill, your electric bill, and your cable bill. And we'll be able to pay all of our bills too. God bless you and thank you.